Thanks for joining us at Imagine Yourself. I'm Lene. And this is Sandy. And we have something cool again to imagine, don't we? It's going to be cool in the end. But right now we are just imagining ourselves trying to figure out how to deal with the fact, Sandy, that everything in our entire world is in constant change. Yeah, like every day, not even just every day. It's like five minutes. What could change? Everything. Here comes a news flash. And- exactly. We didn't want to tackle this by ourselves. We wanted to make sure that we got the perfect person to help us sort it out. Her name is Blaine Lawson, and she is a psychotherapist who specializes in trauma, eating disorders, anxiety, and depression. However, Blaine Lawson is currently not practicing because, drum roll, she is dealing with the big change herself of being at home, raising her baby girl all day, every day in a changing COVID world. I can certainly relate to that. (laughs) We just want to welcome Blaine Lawson to Imagine Yourself. Thanks for joining us, Blaine. Thank you so much for having me. We're excited to get your expertise. And one thing, I remember this expression from a boss I used to have, and he would say when we were in this uh, particularly sticky situation, he'd always say, keep your head on a swivel. And that's what this whole thing reminds me of, except for your head just keeps swiveling and swiveling because you can never stop swiveling. So where do we start with all this constant change? Yeah, it's been unprecedented times, as they keep saying. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to head back to just precedented, like just regular. <laughs> that would be great. Um, Please. keep changing very quickly. And so I think it's important to uh, take a moment to even just sit with that. We're trying to rush to sort of fix everything, but to just acknowledge that this is a tough time. And if you're having a tough time, that probably means you're doing it right. Everyone is having a tough time right now. So just acknowledging that, yep, this is hard, this is new, this is uncharted territory for a lot of us, and trying to find things in your life that you can sort of control can be helpful, because a lot of things we can't control that are going on right now. So what are the things in your routine that you can still manage and control? And that can be little things, you know, what are you going to have for dinner? Are you going to go outside today? Are you going to stay inside today? Little things like that, how you interact with your children and the people that you love, I think is a really good place to start in terms of like, what is manageable for you every day when you wake up? What would you like to accomplish? I like that because before we actually started recording, Blaine told us that she got to go back to do some exercise today in her regular routine. Does that help you feel more normal when you are getting back into some things having still a regular routine? It absolutely does for me and for everyone that looks different, right? But so for me, I actually appreciate going to the gym and it's some time away from home. For me, I get to get outside and kind of move my body. Moving your body can be really important in terms of de-stressing and helping with depression. Quite often when we don't feel like moving, that's when our body needs it the most. We call it behavioral activation. And so you don't feel good yet, but if you go out and you move your body, you dance, you do some yoga, whatever sort of feels good in your own body, that can be really helpful in lifting your mood. And also just to get into that routine, if you used to work out every morning before the pandemic and all these things happened, then it's good to sort of anchor your day with something that you used to do that feels normal. 
whatever that is. Now it might look different. Maybe you used to go to the gym and now you run outside or what have you, but the idea is the same that you're still getting physical activity and that that's something that you do and building it into your routine again. So you're checking off two boxes there, the routine box and the physical activity box. And a lot of the things that I read They say one of the most important things about coping with all this change all the time is to take care of yourself. But Blaine, with such a busy life like so many people have, how would you suggest they do self-care? I think you have to reprioritize self-care in times of crisis. And so we're all, like I said, I'm I'm a trauma therapist, as you mentioned. And so we're all undergoing a bit of a trauma right now. We don't know what's next. And that is one of the most difficult things for humans to deal with, the uncertainty of what comes next. Am I still going to have a job? Are my kids going back to school? What is my next couple of weeks going to look like? All of these things, it's very difficult. And so it's really important that we try to prioritize self-care. And I know that that can be hard, especially if you have a bunch of kids or you're you're kind of got a lot going on during the day, but finding time to carve that out. And it may look different than it used to. Maybe you just make a meal that you really enjoy, have a glass of wine and sit outside for a moment, take a nice luxurious bath if that's what you like, (laughs) you know, and it can be really small things. Like if you have children running around, a former client of mine used to sometimes go hide in her closet for 10 (laughs) minutes and it sounds silly but it helped. She needed those 10 minutes and she couldn't get them just hanging out in her kitchen or whatever. And she sort of built out a little cubby space, reminded me of my cat. She likes to crawl in there and find the little cubby (laughs) space. And she would just sort of sit and take a couple moments and breathe. And as long as the kids weren't going to set the house on fire, like take those 10 minutes (laughs) um, if you need them and then come back, you'll be better for it. And you'll interact with your children in um, a more calm and meaningful way. If you're feeling a bit more centered. Lene, didn't you used to hide in your car? I used to hide my car. I used to hide my closet also, (laughs) actually. And, uh, and I would hide from my husband and my kids. Uh, Oh, (laughs) See, it's not kid specific. Or it's not kid specific at all. No. <laughs> Sometimes it's the older folks too. <laughs> yeah. Because all this though is making me think there's this quote and I have it on this little placard in my room. It says, enjoy the little things for one day you may realize that they were the big things. It's making me think, what if we all did as a form of coping, concentrate and focus on and feel real true gratitude for the little things. I never imagined how much I would appreciate taking a walk around the block. That is my thing now. That's what makes me feel like I can think and hear, and I don't listen to music or podcasts or anything (laughs) while I'm walking. I really just look at my surroundings. I look at the sun. I look at the clouds. I look at even the few people that are out there, I look at some of the things in nature that I never appreciated before because I was too busy and just didn't care. That's actually wonderful. What we call that in the psychology world is mindful walking. And so it's actually a technique that you can use to combat anxiety. So anxiety, for lack of a, a more technical definition, tends to be when we're worrying about something that's already happened or worrying about the future. And so in any case, we're not in the moment. We're not right where we are. We're thinking about what happens next or worrying about something that happened in the past. Um, And it's very disruptive for us psychologically and even physiologically. 
So what you're described is mindful walking. And it's actually something that I tend to recommend to a lot of clients, especially those that struggle with meditation. People think, oh, I should meditate. So I should sit quietly and focus on my breath, which is a very difficult thing to do. That's why we call it a practice. You have to practice it before you feel successful. A lot of times when, especially when we're very agitated and anxious to begin with, sitting quietly with our thoughts makes us even more anxious because all those thoughts sort of bombard us. You can also meditate while moving and people tend to find that very gratifying because they're focusing on their body, they're focusing on their senses. And so a mindful walk, we recommend that people walk um, in areas that they know well, and they just continually check in with your senses. What do I see right now? What do I hear? What smells? Don't do that if you're like on public transportation. How do my feet feel in my shoes? How does the ground feel? Do I feel the wind? All these different types of things. And when you get stuck, you just cycle to the next sense. Like, what do I see again? What colors? Flowers. And so what this does for your body on a physiological level is it lowers everything. Your autonomic response comes down. So it calms you down physically. And also on a fun side note, my clients always come back and say, even though they're walking in a place they've been literally thousands of times that they noticed, I didn't realize that my neighbor had planted flowers or that their door is red or all these things about our surroundings that we take for granted because we have so much going on in our heads as we're walking through our daily lives, that to take a moment and actually take in what's going on around us can be really lovely. You'll notice birds and find cute coffee shops that they've walked past a hundred times, like all different types of things. I wondered, now you have me thinking, can we do things like this and other things to help our children too? Because children can pick up on all these stresses that their parents are having, like you said, financial and work and school related, worrying about actually getting sick, of course, the racial tensions, everything that's going on. And like you say, you just wonder what's next. Is there something else that's going to hit us tomorrow? How do we take all of that and circle it in are there some different techniques that we can do to help our children through this too, if we do have children? Absolutely. That's an excellent question. For the mindful walking, you can certainly incorporate those types of things with kids when they start getting overwhelmed, asking them, what do they see? What do they feel? A lot of times kids, adults do too, but we tend to intellectualize what we're going through. But a lot of times anxiety, we feel in different parts in our body. That's why you have like a nervous stomach, things like that. And so it can sometimes a child can more readily tell you that their stomach hurts or they have a backache or something like that will come to some physical complaint they'll describe, but that can be anxiety. And so talking them through, what do you see right now? What do you feel? If your feeling was a color, what color would it be? Can you draw it? Things like that mm. are ways for kids to express their, their anxiety. And my other, I guess, sort of recommendation because things are so out of control right now in the world is to talk to kids about it. They're picking up on it, whether you're telling them about it or not between the news and just the way that you have changed and the way that you've interacted, the way that their days have changed um, if they were in school and now they're not, things like that. I'm a firm believer in transparency with children, speaking to them at their level. You want to give them digestible bites of information. Absolutely. You don't want to overwhelm them, but letting them know that this is new and acknowledging this is new for me too. You know, mommy's used to being at work and during the day, and now she's at home trying to get work done. You're used to being with your friends and you really want to listen to their feelings and their frustrations, give them space to talk about it and encourage safe connections 
where you can, because the idea is not for them to come out of this feeling less connected to the people in their lives. So you want to continue to talk about their loved ones, whether that's friends or family, people at school they used to see, so that they know those people still exist. We just can't be near them right now. It's really important for them to know that, yeah, you know, grandma still loves you, FaceTime her when you can, things like that. Write her a letter if you want, draw her a picture. It helps kids with their object permanence to realize that even though I can't see this person right now, they are still a part of my life. They still exist. They still love me. And that can be very grounding and centering for kids. That's some great coping and adaptive skills for us and for kids. Can we bring that to another level? And I know sometimes we hear about, oh, during COVID-19, I learned three new languages and I got in shape. And I love to hear those stories, but that's not most of us, right? Right. Okay. That's great that people are using this pandemic to do good things. And I know we all encourage that. But is there a way for like the normal person to say, what am I learning through this? And how can I use this year, this six months, whatever this is, as a force for good? I think that it can be used as a way to pause, right? Because so much of what used to occupy our time and space has been paused, whether we liked it or not, or it's shifted. And so using the time to kind of think about what's important to you, I think can be useful. And how would you like to be different after this is over, which who knows when that will be, but how would you like that to look different? but also not to put too much pressure on you. If you know people that are learning three languages and everyone's baking bread and all of these things, which are wonderful. Like it can be very soothing to like create bread. That's something you can control, right? You, mm. you put it together, you put it in the oven. There's a nice finished product at the end that could be a great way to relieve stress. And then you get to eat bread after and who doesn't love bread? So, so <laughs> it works, but you also need to be patient with yourself and be gentle with yourself. It's okay. This is more of a marathon than a sprint, especially the rate things are sort of unfolding. And so taking care of yourself every day and what you need and what it looks like might be different. Some days for me, my daughter gets dressed and we're out the house and we're going to the park and other days it's 6 PM. And I realized we didn't get out of pajamas that day and that's okay. <laughs> you know, she's been fed, she's had hugs, she's played. And those are the important things. And so your days might look different and to give yourself some space and be gentle with your expectations for yourself. So we all need to be more flexible now because things are just shifting. And if we are too rigid, we're going to break. And it's, it's really important to understand that things are kind of in flux right now. That may be one of the things that we come out with too, as far as not necessarily learning the other languages or baking bread, <laughs> uh, but um, coming out of this being more flexible human beings in general. What about yeah. that as a goal where you don't feel the need to control everything as much because we realize you can't and you realize that, like you said, it is okay for these days to look different, for your productivity levels to look different. Yeah. That because, might be my goal. And I think that's a wonderful one because we don't know how long this is going to last. So we do need to be more flexible and flexibility is not a bad thing. So I think it's a wonderful goal to have is to sort of be able to roll with things a little bit more. Everything doesn't have to look like what we expected it to look, I guess. You have me thinking, Blaine, what are some words or phrases that we should start using or incorporating? And what are some words and phrases that we should stop using if we want to really get through this well? I think it's important for us to start thinking about our days as day-to-day -day right now. I think that when we take them 
too many at a time, we start looking too much into the future, it can become very overwhelming because we're trying to pin down things that we don't have enough data to really guess what things are gonna look like. So I think taking things day by day and acknowledging like, what do you kind of want to get out of the day? Or what do you want to get out of this interaction? Sometimes what I do with my, especially with children, when we're feeling frustrated or husbands, whatever you've got spouses, whatever's frustrating you, trying to figure out what's my end goal? What do I want to get out of this conversation? I think that that's really important. And then carve out some goals for yourself at that point. Like, what is it that you want? Like sometimes when I'm having a conversation with my spouse, I'll realize, what am I really asking? Like, what am I really concerned about? What what do I want? What's the takeaway from this? And that can be helpful in guiding the conversation. And it's the same way with your day. Like, what do I want to do? Rather than thinking about all this huge things that I need to get done today or big changes I want to make, like what small piece of that can I do right now or today or this hour? you know, however your day is structured. So I think that that's important. And be gentle, I think is something we need to tell ourselves to be gentle with ourselves, to be gentle with each other. Right now, everyone is sort of going through something related to what's going on. And so I think that acknowledging that our interactions with our neighbors, people at the grocery store, everybody's stressed out. So to really have some extra compassion with the way that we treat each other in the next several months, because so many people, their stories are really just, they're going through it. And we don't know to what level, like you said, go into the grocery store, the next person may be unemployed and scraping by, or they may have a relative that's got COVID-19, or it could be just someone that's super anxious about everything because we all react differently, as you've pointed out. I saw that sentiment on uh, my little next door app recently. It was a neighbor who wrote on there. She said, like Blaine just said, make sure that you're giving people compassion because you just don't know what kind of pain they may be going through. Maybe that's why they're screaming out about how they do or don't want to do something. Maybe that's why they are bristling when you walk by. There's a lot of reasons for people doing what they're doing that we may not understand, but we can maybe just go ahead and give them a free pass of compassion right off the bat because we realize we don't understand. And, yeah. um, and, and we want that back in return as well. And um, I think that's a goal I have for all of us. I think if we can emerge from this a more empathic society, <sighs> that that will be fantastic. Yeah, a big goal for the whole world goal and our own <laughs> personal goals. Yes. Yeah. Definitely empathy is always a goal. And I was reading a little bit about that this morning in a devotional. And the author was saying that sometimes our ability to be empathetic is directly affected by our own level of anxiousness. Like if we're super anxious or we don't have peace, then we can't extend the feeling of peace towards others or to be able to think about or care about their feelings like we should be. Yeah. But he also added that peace doesn't necessarily come from our circumstances, more so it comes from trusting God. I just wanted to see if you could speak to that a little bit, just using scripture, using prayer, using devotions to remember that God is in control and to ask him to give you peace. I think it's important to take your piece where you can find it and to go into that. And so it looks different for different people. And so I think that if God anchors you, then absolutely lean into that, lean into the things that make you feel strong, whatever pieces of your faith, your spirituality, nature, whatever sort of helps you feel grounded. 
those are the things that you want to lean into right now. Uh, your community, your family, whatever those pillars of strength are for you in your life. That's absolutely how you find your peace and how you build your peace because you can't wait for the world to be peaceful, right? <laughs> it's just, you know, it, you'd be mm. waiting forever. Mm. And so you absolutely have to carve it out where you can and when you can. Absolutely. Let's drop the mic again, Blake. <laughs> <laughs> you just hit it so hard, so well. I have a question that's maybe a little different and we, this one might even take a full episode one day, but how do we build resilience? The short answer is you already have been your whole life. And so um, I worked with a lot of trauma survivors. That was my practice. I worked specifically with survivors of sexual assault. So really difficult stuff. And when clients would come into my office, they would say, I'm broken. I can't do it. And it's, you've already done the hard part. You survived. You're here. And so that resilience already exists within you. And so when things get tough, sometimes it's useful to think about the other really hard things we've been through and to acknowledge that we made it through that. At the time, it probably didn't feel particularly graceful um, or fun. It may have been painful, but we did it. And so we build on that. So you have that history. You already are resilient. You just need to find the things that you used before to help get through and to build upon those things. And it can be simple things. If you're feeling really anxious in the moment, sometimes listening to calming music, whatever sort of helps you to feel grounded and centered. I like yoga. I do trauma-informed yoga. So that's something that really works for me. Like sitting in grounding positions helps me feel centered, helps me feel closer to the earth. That might not work for you. It's, it's sort of finding what feels good in your body and what feels good in your soul, what feels good in your heart and leaning into those things. For some people, it's connection, right? Like relationships feel best when they're surrounded by the people that they love. We can't necessarily physically do that, but you can still do that um, on Zoom and social media. There are still ways to connect. So it's important to think about all of those things and how can you incorporate those into your life in ways that are safe. Beautifully put. It's so fun because we were able to have your husband, who is also a therapist, Matt Lawson, on one of our episodes on overcoming loneliness. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, that's something that people can definitely revisit and take a listen again and see how interesting that is that applies. Because, of course, we had that podcast episode before we were separated from one another physically, before COVID even hit. And I really love the beautiful part where you said that we already did the biggest part, which was survive it. And that is a victory. I guess people need to hear that, that that in itself, we've made it through another day. We did eat, we did live, and we did push through another day is an accomplishment in itself. Absolutely. I really love that. I would also just suggest that if people are starting to feel like, you know, do I need to talk to someone like they feel like they've been sitting in their despair or their helplessness feeling like that, it's good to think about when is it the right time to sort of reach out to someone. And so there are some things I think that are important to kind of pay attention to. Now, under more normal circumstances, one of the things I notice with my clients, if I start to feel like they're um, sort of declining is that I'll see an outward change to their physical appearance. People that usually would come in with makeup and hair done are coming in in like sweatpants and ponytails and that kind of thing. You see there's this decline in their actual physical appearance. During the times of COVID, that's not the best for it because a lot of us are in sweatpants. We all look like Always, that. Yeah. Yeah. Every day, all day. So that, that one's not the best gauge anymore, but that is something to think about when things do return to a more normal. When you notice those declines sort of in self-care, not showering every day, just not having the energy for the upkeep, that tends to mean that we're not feeling really great. 
But during times of COVID, other things like noticing sleep disruptions, you know, am I having trouble falling asleep? Am I having trouble staying asleep, sleeping more often or longer for longer stretches or durations than I used to, or much less? Same with significant shifts in appetite, eating a lot more or a lot less. That can be important to pay attention to, and that can be sort of a red flag that things aren't going well. If you're feeling helpless most of the time, all of us are feeling helpless to some extent because we are a bit, right? This is out of our control and that can be very disruptive for the psyche, but are we feeling it like in the depths of despair, helplessness? There's nothing that we can do to change things or to impact the outcome of what's going to happen. Also, if loved ones are expressing concern for us, that can be a good gauge if people that you care about are noticing, I think you might be a little bit depressed or have you thought about talking to someone? And if, of course, if you're experiencing thoughts of suicide or thinking about death, things like that, absolutely need to reach out to a therapist. And there's no stigma here for that. Again, these are unprecedented times anyway. We're all going through a bit of a trauma. If you were, for example, having a pain in your arm for more than a week, you would probably call your doctor to have it checked out. And it's the same way with mental health. If things aren't feeling right for a while, it's okay to just check in. You may only talk to a therapist once and they give you some tips and you sort of talk it out and then you feel better, they may suggest that you sign on for some longer term stuff. And in any case, it's for your own well-being. And so I really want to sort of disrupt that stigma that it's a bad thing to reach out like we're supposed to. We're built that way. We're social creatures. We need connection. And when we start to feel disconnected from ourselves, a therapist is a great way to kind of help reintegrate and feel closer to back to normal. And people can do that right from their house now, right? Absolutely. There are so many ways to do that now, which is fantastic. And you even have apps and things that you can use if you're not ready to talk to a person. Talkspace where you can text your therapist. Um, you can do telehealth. That's what my husband is doing. Right now his practice has moved virtually. So there are all types of resources there. The Calm app, the Headspace app, which I think now is free for folks that have lost their jobs as a result of COVID. So there are all these different ways for you to get access to resources for mental health help that you can do right from your living room, which is fantastic. And safe. And maybe yes. even easier than taking the courage to walk into a therapist's office, you can, like you said, Talkspace is one that you can go to and you said telehealth. Telehealth is what we call the sessions that you have. Like you can have a telehealth session with your doctor. So if you have a checkup, they just, it's basically like Skyping or Zooming or whatever with your physician. So you can talk to them online. And the same with the therapist as yes. well. Therapists that would normally see clients in person are doing that now, right? So you basically yes. just hit up Google and you can find somebody in your area so that maybe you can transition to in person if you want or just make it anonymous. Totally. Yeah, whatever. Yes. And you can do that multiple ways. You can certainly use a Google search. Psychology Today has a lovely listing of therapists. And I think it goes by zip code. You can check if you have insurance, go through your insurance provider, and they'll give you a listing of therapists in your area that you can work with that are covered by your insurance. And most of them have switched to telehealth. And from what I understand, most of the telehealth sessions are being covered just like they would be in person. Oh, good. This is wonderful because we always have a section called takeaway time. I wanted to kind of admit the way this episode topic came about. And I also want to, at the same time, remind people, look around, realize that mental health is a buzzword now. It's legit. It's on our radar. It's relevant in our society. Like Blaine mentioned, there's no stigma attached. We are all dealing with these types of things. And one of our listeners inspired me because she, she said that she wanted to hear an episode on the fact that we need to do a little mental health check-in 
on our loved ones, on ourselves, on our children, on those of us who have people that we love who are really quarantined, sometimes quarantined alone. She just said that she wanted to hear, imagine yourself and Sandy Lene bring that up. And I do think it's important that we do check in. We definitely want to have ways to keep hope and love and positive self-growth going and moving, even though we legitimately see pain everywhere, you know, lots of and pain in the forecast. And that's the part that I just loved about building that resilience, building that hope. I just hope and pray that everyone listening takes some of that advice. If you do feel that this is more than you can handle with just some of the techniques that we've mentioned earlier, it's more than your loved one can handle with these types of techniques to go ahead and move it to the professional level, professional help to get through it. I mean, the things that Blaine has mentioned to help self-soothe and meditate and yoga and movement and the way that you think about things is perfect, but sometimes it needs the extra step, right? Sometimes it does. And there's absolutely no shame in reaching out for that. I think it's really good self-care, right? You're just taking care of yourself and checking on yourself, just like you would if you, like I said, had a pain in your arm that wouldn't go away. It just makes sense. And like Lene said too, your loved ones as well, if you notice something about them. If you live with someone for years and years and you can definitely notice different patterns, right? They're not eating or sleeping the same, like you say, something like that. Yeah, I think one of the most compassionate things we can do for the people in our lives is to hold space for them. That's what we call it in the therapy world. And so to listen, really, and to allow people to feel however they feel about what's going on, because you're going to have a wild range of reactions. And so you need to make space for that and listen to people. And a lot of times people will tell you what they need and how you can help them if you really just will sit and listen. I think sometimes we're so quick to jump in with how to fix uh, <laughs> that we don't fully listen to what it is people are saying. And sometimes they just want to be heard, right? And that's so much of therapy is just sitting in people's uncomfortable feelings with them. Like, yeah, this is hard. This stinks right now. And so just acknowledging that, yeah, this is tough. And then thinking about, okay, how do we move forward? How do we push through this feeling to what's on the other side? I love that thought that you still can get from point A to point B. You don't have to stay here forever. And also anxiety. Anxiety is real. That's something that just has to be stated for the record, please. It absolutely it, is. In any age, it can be an anxious person who you say, well, they are retired. They don't even work anymore. Why are they anxious? It could be a child. Oh, they don't have bills to pay. They're only six years old. <laughs> it doesn't matter. No, there's anxiety everywhere. Yeah. A real thing for any human being. And it and needs to be cared for. It does. And one thing that's been really useful, I think, for people in terms of their anxiety, I've noticed as of late, we tend to try to escape a bit when we're feeling very anxious. And so escapism can be a bit more adaptive and it can be sometimes not so adaptive, not great. For example, like drinking excessively, you get an escape, but it's not the most psychologically healthy way to accomplish that goal. There are healthier ways to go about that. And reading is a great one. So reading books, getting engaged in stories, a great way to escape. The cheapest form of time travel, right? is to read a book, you get to go somewhere else for a little while and then come back a bit calmer and refocused. So things like that can be really useful too. Watching a good movie, things like that that you enjoy that will kind of take you out of the present moment because you do need to balance that being present with allowing yourself some useful and healthy distraction from time to time. Sitting and watching news coverage 24 hours a day is going to make you anxious. So you need yeah. to balance that 
with some time away from that. And that also not only adds to your anxiousness, but you're always looking for, okay, what's the next change? What's the next change? So then your head's on that swivel, like, again, keep looking for, are they going to tell me anything new about COVID today? Or when's the vaccine coming out? And it's important to be informed, but yeah, you got to step away. Yeah. And all the people's opinions on it, it can be very consuming. That's another thing. I just want to put a tip out there. Watch what you're consuming, because sometimes when you're putting so much in, how do you have time to express some of the good, interesting things that are in your head? I love writing. I love journaling, creative writing, all that stuff, too. And that's a good way to express some of the good stuff. But I can't do it when I've been bombarded. When you're (laughs) ingesting. Exactly. Yeah. Ingesting too much junk. <laughs> yes. That's an excellent thing that I actually do with some of my younger clients is especially enjoy because we, we use our imaginations as adults quite often to imagine the worst case scenario, but imagination works both ways. And so we can think about how things might be great and better, exponentially better than they are right now. And so sometimes writing stories, um, they can be realistic, they can be fantastical, whatever you're sort of feeling. And I do that a lot with kids when they don't like the situations they're in, they often feel powerless because they're not like adults. They can't sort of shift their circumstances as effectively as we can, because they quite often aren't empowered to do so because of their children. But they can write about those types of things. And even having control over situation in that space, in a writing space, as opposed to the real world, can be really good for you psychologically. And so use this time to journal and to write stories about how you'd like things to be or how things might be different after the pandemic is over. Write about how change is good because change is good, right? It, it pushes us forward. And so, True, so yeah. we can use those tools. I'm glad that you said change is good. And I'm also, I want to just say, I feel like I cannot go through this whole episode without saying too, as far as some of the racial tensions too, something that I noticed even within my own household, my children and even myself felt more, like you said, empowered when we did find some tangible things that we could do. Sometimes in our case, even as far as positive, peaceful protests that were fulfilling and that we did see change in petitions and things like that, there are things that we can do regardless to help. There are people for the COVID part who were sewing masks and we're realizing that some of those hand-sewn masks with the double layers and the filters are the most powerful and best barriers of masks at all, along with the fact that some of these petitions that are changing lives for people and making positive change, like you said. So change doesn't always have to be bad and we don't always have to feel helpless there are things that we can tangibly do. I just, like I said, I noticed a big difference in my own household with my kids. Once they started making phone calls and you know, going to letter writing campaigns and things like that, they felt empowered and they felt better yeah. and their mood lifted. And we're as humans, we do need to balance. Sometimes we need to be being and sometimes we need to be doing. And I guess there's a balance between the two. Like I said, I just couldn't go this episode without mentioning that thing that's going on in our country and our world too. (laughs) 
Absolutely. And I'm so glad that you brought it up. I think that that's actually something that I've received the most questions about from friends and from former clients. How do I talk to my children? How do I talk in my house about all these things that are going on in terms of racial injustice and tension in the world right now? And my response has been sort of the same with COVID is that, you know, you want to give them in digestible pieces, but it is important to have those conversations and making space in your home to talk about those things and to talk about the parts that are really distressing and painful, and also to hold space for the fact that things are starting to change. There's this momentum that we're seeing across the world, not even just in the United States, but across the world in terms of trying to make strides towards racial equality. And that really is a beautiful thing. And that when enough people in the world decide that something is no longer acceptable, that we really do have the power to change that. And I think that that's an important lesson for children and for adults to really take hold of. And that does make you feel powerful when we feel like we have some say in what happens next. That does help us feel better psychologically, and it makes our lives feel more purposeful and meaningful. And so that is a lovely thing that is happening out of this, I hope. Yes. You are making me feel empowered today, Blaine. I don't know if there's, is there anything else, Sandy, that we need to glean from our Blaine Lawson now that we have her? (laughs) We're getting free professional advice that can change our lives and those that we love. One of the things that she just brought up is change can be good. And you you touched on that with the racial tension leading to positive change. And we think maybe after this COVID thing is over, maybe we learn more resilience like we talked about. Yeah, it's really hard to cope with constant change. And I'm so glad she gave a lot of the tips that she gave. And I'm so glad that we reminded everybody that if it gets really bad to seek professional help, but also to think about Imagine how this change is going to affect us in the long run and maybe focus on that a little bit. And how can we do that a little bit better? Is it a conversation that we need to continue to have about it in our families? Is it reflection? I think it's both in your families and in your communities, in schools, provided those reopen again, all of those things. These are our spaces that we can have conversations about how do we want things to look. And it's okay that things are going to look different and it's okay that we have some growing pains. There's rarely been any huge historical changes that haven't been associated with those feelings, but this is how we move forward. And school might look different. The way that we feel about race relations might look different, the way that we interact, the way that we talk to each other. But I think that that's how we move forward and to really sort of ride that change in the positive directions that it's going and enjoy that. And it can be difficult because we tend to be a little bit rigid. We like things the way that they are, but but progress means change. And so if we're going to get better, we do have to accept some change. I'm going to take an action that over dinner tonight, I'm going to make each family member kind of imagine fun things that this world could look like, new ways that this world could look like, I don't know, five years from now, 10 years from now. What kinds of great things can they imagine seeing? Because we used to do that when we were little. We used to think we'd see hoverboards and be <laughs> back like to the future. <laughs> 2015 was a big disappointment. Yes. <laughs> Where's our hoverboards? The hoverboard was not quite like it was on Back to the Future, but I like this idea. I didn't even think about how fun it is mm-hmm. to imagine big. You know, yeah. the show is called Imagine Yourself. I mean, like, imagine, whoa, type of stuff. That's what I want to do. (laughs) I think that's wonderful. It reminds me of during Thanksgiving when you go around the table and everyone had to say what they were thankful for. I think it's a wonderful opportunity to play that game differently at dinner. How would you like to see the world different? How do you think it will change? How will things look in 10 years, in five years? That's a really great game, especially with kids. Mm -hmm. It's like flipping the script instead of doom and despair. 
what great things can come of this. Because there are some great things that absolutely can come of all of this. We want to truly, from the top, the bottom, the middle, the sides of our heart and minds, thank you for really encouraging us and really educating us, giving us some candid advice that we can use. We love you, Blaine Lawson. We thank you. <laughs> yes, <laughs> great. Thank you so much for having me. And I guess my parting words would be to take care of yourself and take care of each other. That's all we can do. All we can do. I want to say, imagine yourself, even using that little meme that you see, keep calm and carry on. Yeah. <laughs> Just kind of roll with the punches as we live through a life of constant change, which doesn't always have to be bad. Thanks for listening. We love your feedback. Go to imagineyourselfpodcast.com to connect with us via social media or send us an email. Take care of yourself. And we'll talk to you again next time when we have something new to imagine.